0: If you have your Bibles, your phones, your tablets, whatever you're using to get into God's Word. Turn, please, with me to 1 Peter. We'll get to that in just a moment. But I'd like to start by telling you a story about a woman named Miss Howard. Miss Howard was born in 1914 to a family in abject poverty in Idaho. When she was six years old, her mother died while giving birth to her younger sister. Before she was 18 years old, she had two siblings pass away in a freak accident. When she became older, she moved to Spokane, Washington, where she enrolled in college to learn stenography. But was only in college a few months because she could no longer afford the tuition. 1951, she moved down to California, always working menial jobs, sometimes two and three jobs at one time, never having a real full-time job. Finally, at the age of 36, she landed her first full-time job as a live-in nanny and housekeeper for a family. They had two daughters. She worked this job for 30 years. And she had, of course, a place to stay and a very menial salary, but it was average for other people doing the same job during that time period. But every Christmas and birthday, she would receive stock in the man's company, the man who she worked for. After 30 years, she retires. A few years later, she ends up in a nursing home, which was not a good situation. One of the children that she helped raise found out that she was in a bad situation and found her and, if you will, rescued her and established her in a very nice nursing home where she lived the remainder of her life. 16 days after she died, a couple of family members and a few friends gathered in the attorney's office to read the will and to find out what might be left. It was in that moment that they were utterly shocked to find out that this woman had a worth of $9.5 million. You see, she worked for a man named Walt, and he had a kingdom in California and then Orlando and a couple in in Asia. And every year, at Christmas and her birthday, she received stock, and she never sold any of the stock. But at the reading of her will, they found out that she had already established the fact that when she passed away, the majority of her money would be established in a trust fund to give the children of California an opportunity to have scholarships to experience and learn and grow in the area of the arts. You see, she could have lived a luxurious life. She could have focused on herself with all of that money. And yet she realized the value of what we're going to talk about today, and that is humility. We're in a series on love, and we're taking our bedrock for, for this from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we see that uh, the Holy Spirit rides to the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth, and he talks about love. And he says there are a lot of things that love is and some things that love is not. Many people today look at love as more of a feeling and an emotion. It's what I'm feeling in the moment. It's the emotion of the moment. And it's very flexible. It ebbs and flows. I I may be in love with this today, but not. I might be in love with this person today, but not next week. And it's all fluid. Now, there's no uh, disparaging comments about teenagers, but that's kind of the teenager life. That's the way teenagers are supposed to be, kind of fluid. But when you're 35, you shouldn't be that fluid just just a thought there but sad to say a lot of people feel that love is just something that's flexible and moves all around it ebbs and flows it goes high and it goes low true humility i believe c.s lewis said true humility is not thinking less of yourself it is thinking of yourself less we look at first corinthians chapter 13 you don't need to turn there here's the verse up for you If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. That's what we're going to focus on today. What is the opposite of boasting? The opposite of boasting is humility. See, God is love and love is humble. Proverbs 11, 12 or eleven two says when pride comes then comes disgrace but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs fifteen and Proverbs eighteen says humility comes before honor. Proverbs twenty two four says humility is the fear of the Lord its wages are riches and honor and life. The South African pastor Andrew Murray said, Here is the path to the higher life, down, lower down. Just as water always seeks and fills the lowest place, so the moment God finds men abased and empty, his glory and power flow in to exalt and to bless. You see, humble people receive instruction and correction well. Humble people ask others for help. Humility many times is considered to be weakness, and yet it is a great strength. Those who are humble in the end prove that they have exhibited and lived in great strength. At the website uh, for All Pro Dads, which I recommend all you fathers to, to explore, they had 10 ways to teach your children humility. I'll just mention a couple of them. Number one is modeling it. If you model humility, They're going to catch it because more is always caught than taught, right? Modeling humility. How can you as a father and as a mother model humility to your children? Another one is make sure they understand where their real value comes from. It's not necessarily scoring the winning goal or being on the winning team or being the best at a certain thing, but it's about who they are as people. That's where they gain their most value. I think you could just say, because you're my child, you're valuable. Because you're a child of God, you're valuable. Because you were made in the image of God, you're valuable. It's not what you accomplish. Another thing is never humiliate your children. And all the children said, amen, dad. Amen, mom. That's right. Don't humiliate your kids. Another one is teach them to serve. Serving is one of the greatest ways to teach your children humility and instill that within them. And the last one I'll say is uh, teach them how to apologize. Teach them how to apologize. And again, we can probably go back to number one, which was model humility. Sometimes there might be an opportunity where you need to apologize to your children and go, go about it in the right way. Apologies are very important. Humility is the attribute for an Instagrammable Christianity, a Facebook Christianity, where it's all the, the happy pictures and the, the loving pictures and the success pictures. And frankly, thank you for putting your successes on Facebook because we don't want to see your tears. I mean, do you? You don't want to see pictures of crying, right? I just lost all of you right there. Just in one statement, you're just like, where is he going? Yeah, Facebook is wonderful. It shows all the happy pictures, all the wonderful times. Thank you for putting those up there. Please continue but yet we all face situations where it's not a happy day and it's not a victorious day when we just find ourselves not in good situations, but that's a part of life too. We don't want to see it on Facebook, but that's a part of life and we deal with that. Humility is that aspect that causes us to have the strength to endure and to actually glean the best from those moments that you never want to put on Facebook. You never want anybody to see that on Instagram. But humility causes us to say, God has a plan. God is working all things together for good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. You have your Bibles. You're in First Peter chapter number 5. We're going to read the first 10 verses here. First Peter chapter number 5. Let start at verse number 1 and read through verse number 10. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor or grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. I want to really focus in there on verse number five. If you'll just key in on that verse. We find the Bible tells us to clothe ourselves. That word clothing ourselves, that term in the original, it talks about a knot or band by which two things are fastened together together. A knot or band in which two things are fastened together. Please keep that in mind. And then humility means a having a humble opinion of oneself, a deep sense of one's moral littleness. Well, there's three things I want to talk about today about humility. Number one, humility embraces the value of mystery. We love to have the answers, right? That's why we have Google. We love to have the answers. We love to be able to explore the answers quickly. We we don't like to wonder and ponder anymore. We just want the answer right away. But humility embraces mystery. Right there it says in verse number five, uh, the, the younger submit yourself to the older. We're talking about relationship with a purpose. But what is that purpose? How is God going to use that connection of the older to the younger how is God going to use that in those who are older, and how is God going to use that in those who are younger? There's this mystery of trying to say to a young person, you need to connect with someone older than you. Now, I'm just going to throw my own garbage on the table right now. That's something that I had, I had no desire to do when I was younger. I wanted to prove that I, was, I could do it, that I had what it took, and I was in isolation for so much of my life. I just did it all by myself the good, the bad, and the ugly. I just did it because I didn't want to ask for help. I thought I can do this. I can prove myself. And you just go forward as as an island just trying to make your way, and you're missing out on all the people who have gone before you have wisdom and understanding and knowledge. And he says, "I, I want you to embrace that mystery of having someone help you, having someone help guide and lead your life so that you're not alone, so that you're not an island. And humility always embraces that mystery. You don't have to turn there, but in James chapter 4, James tells us he's instructed us by the Holy Spirit, and he says, you know, sometimes you say, well, I'm going to go here, and I'm going to go to this city, and I'm that city. I'm going to do business, and I'm going to make money. He says, you, you want to plan it all out, exactly what you're going to do. And he says, that's, that's foolish thinking. That's kind of arrogance that you would think that you can just plan out your life and what you're going to do. He, he says, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't even know what's going to happen. He says, what it would be better is to say, if it is the Lord's will, I will go here and there and make money. You see, the humble people don't, don't just live without a vision for the future. Humble people, they don't live without a plan. But they have a plan, but they say, if it's God's will. If it's God's will. I learned something great from Dr. Mark Rutland. I love him so much, and I appreciate his ministry. And uh, he, uh, he referenced something that I've, I've prayed this prayer many, many times. As, as I'm praying by myself, I literally hold out my hands, and I will say for the last 17 years, I have said, God... I'm the pastor of Hope Crossings Church for as long as you want me to be. I'm not gripping it. I'm not gonna go, I am the pastor of the, you, you're, what? No, I am the pastor of this church for as long as God wants me to be. And if God wants to change it, he's not gonna have to break my fingers to get me to move. I just lost all of you again, I can just. (laughs) But see, that's the way we're to live life. God, thank you for what you blessed me with. Thank you for what I'm doing. Thank you for the ministry, the job, the opportunity. Thank you, God. Thank you for the house that I live in. But Lord, I'll live here as long as you want me to. I'll do this job as long as you want me to. I have open hands. See, that's when you say, I have a plan. We're going. But Lord, if it's your will. Amen that's vitally important in the book of esther i think there's a there's a verse there that we we kind of miss out on a lot of course esther was the queen and there was you need to read the book i don't have time to go into it all but esther is, is a great great story of god's redemption but esther's the queen and uh she needs to go into the king her husband and present a case to save the jewish people the nation of israel but there's a problem because in that culture, that king had established the fact that no one comes into his presence unless he has invited them in. You don't just show up. And that included the queen. And so she's got to go present herself to the king. And she knows there's going to be one of two things that are going to happen. He's either going to hold out the royal sepulcher to her, which is an acceptance to say, okay, yeah, I accept you come in, even though we didn't have an arrangement appointment today but okay come on in or he's just going to tell his his soldier yeah off and that's the reality of it the king the king he's it and so she approaches him but before she does she's with Mordecai and he makes this profound statement to her he says who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this Who knows? Wouldn't you rather him to say, I believe in the name of Jesus, you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And that's when she turns and says, then you go. You go try this thing, you know. But he says, who knows? In other words, he's saying, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what the king's going to do. That's a humble position to embrace mystery. But it takes so much strength. It's not weakness, it's great strength. It's weakness when we believe that we can manipulate God. That's weakness. I've been there and done that. But strength is when we're humble and we embrace the mystery to say, I I don't know what's gonna happen. It was, um, uh, just after we moved here, of course, Lisa started Legacy uh, Youth Mentoring. A lot of you know about that program. If you don't, you need to talk to her, you need to be a mentor that's that's a free advertisement anyway. <clears throat> but uh, she's worked so hard and for years for free uh just volunteering uh, she treated it as a full-time job uh but was no pay involved in that and then there was a little bit But she just worked and worked and worked and worked. And there were so many times people would come up to her and say, oh, we wish we had more money because we'd love to pay you. And even when she was getting a little bit of money, they'd say, we want to pay you more. And we just wish we had more money. And she, she would always respond with this. She'd say, you know what? If we'll put the needs of the children as number one and we serve the needs of the children, the money will be there. And what was she doing? She was embracing the mystery that says, am I gonna do this forever as a volunteer? Am I gonna do this forever for peanuts? Relatively speaking. Will there ever be it? She didn't know, but she embraced the mystery of it. And she said, my job is to put the kids first. And that's what she's done. Now, over and over again for these years, God has given confirmation of what she's doing and the ministry of what this program is really about. It's not a Christian program, it's just a mentoring program for kids. Can I just share with you one story, one story of many? This happened uh, a few months ago, actually. She received contact from a company in Boston, Massachusetts. And they said, hey, listen, we came upon your website, and wow, what a website, what a job that you're doing. You've been doing it for years. You're greatly affecting kids' lives, and we're a sporting goods company, and we want to give some stuff away. Can, can you use sporting equipments? We have jerseys and footballs and hockey sticks and basketballs and softballs and shirts and pants. Can you use any of that stuff? She said, yeah, yeah, we can do that. That'd be great, because you know when the mentor and the kid comes together, something for them to do, yeah, we can do that. Okay, we'll fill out the form, make the application, and can I just share with you the, the value of what was given to Legacy Youth Mentoring? worth of sporting goods. Just here. Here you go. You see, when, when you embrace mystery, it doesn't cause you to sit back. You lean forward and into it, but you're saying, I don't know where this is going, but I know the one who does. And that's when you can embrace mystery. Second thing is that humility embraces the value of relationships. Verse number five there again, he says, all you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. And then he says, everyone do that. Everyone embrace, come together, have meals together, have lunch, dinner, drink coffee together, relax, relate, learn, laugh, love, come together as one. That's what humility embraces relationship. Arrogance always pushes people away. But humility says, hey, let's embrace. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. That's why in a church, when a church is humble and a church is not braggadocious, a church is, is letting God get the credit, all the praise for it, that's a church where people who are having difficulties know I can go to somebody in that church because they're not going to judge me. They're not going to put me down. They're not going to tell me... How, why are you having that problem? And how come you did this? No, they're just going to say, hey, let's pray about it. Let's embrace. Let's talk. And sometimes there's no talking. It's just crying. Sometimes it's rejoicing. But we come together because we embrace the relationships with one another. But it says that we're to clothe ourselves in humility. And kind of share something with you that uh, I believe is universal. I believe this statement could be made anywhere in the world. When you as a Christian clothe yourself with humility, the jacket never fits. Why? Because you're like me, and you're selfish, and you're prideful. Third time, I just lost all of you right there. (laughs) See when you go shopping for yourself, what are you looking for? The thing that fits. You know, if the sleeves are too short, you're like, well, that goes back on the rack and you're looking for another jacket. We can't do that with humility. What's the process with humility? We put on the jacket of humility and we have to adjust to the jacket. That's good. Not the other way around. And that just stinks, doesn't it? I mean, that's just like, oh, i got to be nice to that jerk. That kind of chafes a little bit. <laughs> when We clothe ourselves in humility. We understand that re- the relationship is so vitally important. It's not that I get my way. The relationship is more important. I don't, I don't have to have my way. I don't have to get what I want when I want it. The relationship is what's important. And humility embraces that relationship. If you have a difficulty fitting into the jacket of humility like I do, can I give you some suggestions on how to, how to make adjustments to, to fit the jacket that you've just put on? These are things that I've got to do too. I, I'm, I don't have this together, okay? I'm telling you stuff that I need to do, okay? So are we okay with that? Fourth time, I just lost you. <laughs> Number one, do something nice for someone and don't tell anyone. Just go do something nice for someone. Don't even let them know and don't tell anybody. It's just about doing something Nice. Humility. Number two, have meaningful conversation with someone and do not mention yourself. You know you do that. You know you're like you're somebody's telling you something to go. I've got a better story than that. I just, I just. Will you please finish your story because my story is better than yours? And you just, you just want to like go for it. But instead, you've got to go. Oh, that's great. Tell me more. my story's better but instead you just ask them questions and you just let them talk instead of it's just a way of just fitting into that jacket okay number three tell someone one of your modern mistakes not a mistake from 30 years ago maybe one from three days ago tell someone one of your modern mistakes One of those mistakes that doesn't make you look cool. One of those mistakes where they might look at you and go, wow, I thought you were better than that. (laughs) What are we doing? The word says that we share our lives, we share our weaknesses, we share those things that actually cause us to go, "I'm, I'm exercising humility fitting into the jacket. Number four, seek correction. It's one thing to be corrected. It's another thing to seek correction. In other words, what you're, what you're basically doing is saying, listen, on a scale of one to five, how many stars will you give me? We all want five stars, right? But we all need to hear about our one stars. We need to hear about those. Because that's how we get better. And that's how we submit ourselves to one another in relationship. And then fifth is pray sincerely. Don't just pray. Pray sincerely. Tell God. There were two guys that came up to, Jesus tells a story. Two guys came up to the temple. One was a Pharisee, really religious person. The other was a beggar. The Pharisee said, God, thank you that I'm awesome and great. And I tithe and I do all this stuff. And I'm not like him. Thank you, Lord. And the beggar said, God, I, I, I can't even look at you. I, I just, I'm just, I'm a sinner. I'm bad. And Jesus said, it's this guy that went away from the temple justified, not the prideful guy. So we got to pray sincerely. And that's going to bring humility. Third, th- third and final, humility. humility embraces the value of miracles. Again, verse number five, God opposes the proud, but gives favor or grace to the humble. Well, what is, what is the miracle of all miracles? Grace. It's just grace. The unmerited favor of God, the things that God does for us that we, we didn't deserve it. We don't earn it. He just pours out his grace on us. He just, he just gives us grace. That's a miracle of all miracles. We read in in 1 John chapter number one, the word became flesh and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. He said the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In Acts 4.33, God's grace was so powerful at work in them that there were no needy people within the church. God's grace was so powerful. It not say God poured out so much money. He said his grace was so powerful. did not say they, they won the lottery and therefore nobody had a need. He said his grace met all of their needs. Acts chapter 6, talking about Stephen, full of God's grace and power, performed signs and wonders. And when Barnabas went to the city of Antioch, it says when he arrived there, he saw what the grace of God had done. It doesn't say he saw what the pastor had done or the elders had done or the worship team had done or the whatever team. He said he saw what the grace of God had done. We embrace that mystery, we embrace relationship, and we embrace the value of miracles, that all things are possible with God, the grace of God working in us. It is not through talent or ability or money or prestige or anything like that but it's the grace of God working in us and through us. That's the uniqueness of God. That's the miracles that happen. If you wanna lay hands on the sick and see them recover? It's by the grace of God. If you wanna have a God uh, using you in the gifts of the spirit, it's by the grace of God. You wanna give a word of encouragement to somebody who just is hanging on just by a thread? It's by the grace of God. And that's when in just embrace that value of miracles and say, God, you're not, you're not a respecter of persons. It doesn't take like somebody in a position for you to work a miracle through them. It just takes somebody who's available and says, hey, why not? And we go for it. And so many times miracles are just, we, we don't even see them at the moment. Many times we don't even realize them and understand them. I came with it just a little saying, it's kind of kind of nerdy. But it just says, embrace the grace. You know, just embrace the fact that the grace of God's the greatest miracle in the world. And the, and the grace of God is given through Jesus Christ and shown. But Philippians 2 tells us, it says, you know, Christ did not consider it to be something to be grasped as equality with God, nor did he use it for his own gain. It says he emptied himself of everything, humbled himself, to appear in the likeness of man, in the <clears throat> likeness of sinful man. He, says it, he, he, did, he, did, he wasn't like to say, hey, I'm going to show you guys how great I am. He just came um, just like a man like everybody else, the man God. He says it, he just emptied himself. That's really what humility is. It's just emptying yourself. The, the, the verse goes on and talks about how his, his great sacrifice is what buys us our our. Salvation, paid the price for it. But because he humbled himself and because he went to the cross, because he fulfilled his purpose through humility. I mean, can you imagine the guy? Jesus like spoke and the world was created. He spoke the stars in their place. And then he put up with the junk that he put up with for three years while on this earth. You talking about it, he humbled himself. He just he emptied himself. He just said, I'm going low. I'm going really low. But where is he now? He's at the right hand of the Father. Because he has now been exalted. But here's another caption, just a picture that I want you to see. And we preached a couple of weeks on Revelation and worship a few months ago. When when we read Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, and and we see John, he's entered into that Holy of Holies, and there's the throne of God and the four living creatures and everything going on in heaven. And then the scroll is brought there and nobody can open the scroll and there's an announcement. Hey, who can open the scroll? Nobody's found. But then there's one that can open the scroll. and, And what does he appear like? Does he appear like this guy with big biceps and like big and massive and great? No, he says, there was one that was found worthy and he appeared like a lamb that had been slain. God is still showing us even now and even in the future Oh, he conquered by his strength, and his strength was seen in humility. His strength was seen in appearing as a lamb slain before the foundations of the world for our redemption. Man, there's great power in humility, because when we're humble, we love, and there's no greater power than love. Love is it. You can have all the faith you want, you need love. You have all the power, all the authority, all the prestige, all the position. All that's great. But without love, you're getting nowhere. I'm thankful to be a part of a group of people that understand what love is all about. That understand humility. There's nobody around here bragging. Nobody around here trying to get credit for anything. There's so much that's done behind the scenes. You guys are making Hope Crossings what it is. Thank you for allowing the grace of God to move through you. We get it. But you know what, if you're like me, I've been trying to put on that jacket of humility for years and sometimes I take it off, (laughs) I'm like, ah, I'm tired. Put it back on. There's always room for improvement. I can can adjust to make the jacket fit a little bit better. So what's God saying to you today that you can say, you know what, that's something you can work on. That's something I want you to highlight in your life just to make that jacket fit. And how many of you know, when you're wearing something that doesn't fit, you're just bothered by it all the time, right? But man, when you're wearing something that fits well, you're like, you feel good. Like, when we are humble, we'll be walking the closest to God that we could ever walk. And that's what we want, isn't it? Amen? Amen. Would you stand today, please? What a great... Great time in the Lord. Great, great time of prayer for one another. Fabulous. I want to encourage you today, as we as we close, that humility has been so long geared uh, viewed as weakness, and yet we see it as the greatest strength because it is connected with love. Love does not boast. Love is humble. And so let's put on that jacket of humility. Let's adjust to it. You know what? If if its sleeves are too long, God will grow your arms. If the shoulders are too small, God will shrink your shoulders. Whatever it takes, let's adjust. Amen?